You're listening to the Christ-Centered Conversation Podcast, where we share and hold conversations to engage, empower, and enliven. We hope you enjoy this episode. God bless. For those with faith, no evidence is necessary. For those without it, no evidence will suffice. St. Thomas Aquinas Hello everyone, and thank you all for joining the Christ-Centered Conversation team in the latest episode of the Everyday Holiness series. I'm Lester, and today I'm following up last week's heavyweight episode on St. Augustine of Hippo by Clarence with another major figure in the church. Here, we reflect and ponder on someone who is possibly the most influential and deepest thinker of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, I'm pretty sure every one of us here knows of St. Aquinas, even if we may not have read most or any of his writings or books. St. Thomas is considered to be the greatest medieval philosopher of all time, and his legacy in the church, in theology, and modern-day philosophy continues to stay strong. In this episode, I'd like to briefly show St. Thomas's importance not only to the academic side of the Catholic Church, but how his wisdom can guide both head and heart into a deeper understanding and closeness with to the faith that we hold. By listening to Aquinas' ideas and nuggets of wisdom, we can grow closer to God by outlining the truth of our faith through discerning thought and prayer. Now, before we jump into a reflection proper, here's a short sketch about the life of this incredible philosopher saint, whose prodigious writing and keen philosophical insights continue to amaze and evoke deeper thought in us today. St. Thomas Aquinas was born sometime between 1224 and 1226 in Roccasecca, Italy, near Naples, into an important well-off family. Uh, St. Thomas joined the Dominican order when he was 19, against the wishes of his family, who actually went as far as to kidnap him back from the order back home. Uh, His mother eventually relented, and St. Thomas went on to study in Naples, Rome, and Paris. He established himself as one of the finest thinkers of the church, and popes, emperors, and kings sought his views and thoughts on a variety of different topics. Now, Aquinas is one of the doctors of the church, and he's one of the most respected theologians and philosophers, not only in the church, but within philosophy as a whole. Aquinas was a pretty big deal because he bridged the practice of Greek philosophy, such as the writings of Aristotle, with the theological teachings of the church. In his time, that was like marrying two major schools of thought into a coherent, powerful, singular position, and gave theology an incredible new language to spread the word and evangelize. Aquinas' writings on theology are so important, they form the cornerstone of Western theology, and their influence cannot be overstated. St. Thomas is most well known for his writings consolidated in the Summa Theologica. It is a book that is broad, dense, complex, and delves into important questions that demand deep, precise, investigative thought. Uh, Now, for listeners in the seminary or those undertaking studies in theology, it's definitely a very familiar seminal academic text. I'm pretty sure it's also one of those books most Catholics know of but never actually read, and I'm certainly guilty of being one of them. Uh, I've read summaries and explanations in introductory philosophy textbooks. The language is a challenge, certainly, but the ideas he expresses there are so rich, so profound, and in many cases so beautifully obvious and simple that any layperson can find enrichment in actually thinking them through. 
Now, as a former philosophy student, and as someone who enjoys abstract thinking, Aquinas resonated with my need to make rational sense of my faith. There have been moments in my life where I have experienced spiritual withdrawal, as I find myself unable to rationalize why I continue to remain steadfast to my Catholic faith in the face of so many, well, good secular reasons not to. Aquinas provides a very necessary counterpart to the other mystical saints that I am drawn to as well. I particularly like this quote from the Franciscans, uh, which beautifully encapsulates the importance of Aquinas' works. The unity, harmony, and continuity of faith and reason, of revealed and natural human knowledge, pervades his writings. Faith and reason go hand in hand, and Aquinas shows us how and why our foundation of faith is enriched and enlivened by a questioning thirst to know God in a deep, rational, intellectual manner. Now in this vein, I'd like to explore some of Aquinas' famous ideas and reflect on how they aid in a faith journey that touches both head and heart. With the Church's long-lasting history and legacy, there are a lot of things to have to learn about. That's why we undergo years of catechism classes. But the prayers we say, the actions we take, the beliefs we profess during Mass, all of them have a rigorous history and reason behind them, and there are answers to why they are so. Whatever questions you might have about theology, you name it, Aquinas has had a hand in writing the theological philosophical foundation for it. Now, just to name a few. Are you scratching your head about transubstantiation and how the Eucharistic bread and wine is literally the body and blood of Christ? Aquinas devotes an entire question in the Summa Theologica to this, concluding that that which is both reality and sacrament, to wit, Christ's true body. Another one. How is Christ three people, one body, or the Trinity? Aquinas developed a rigorous argument on the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that each of them is not merely an aspect of divine essence, but they are three in one. Lastly, how do we know God exists? Now, this is a big one, so let's delve more deeply into it. Perhaps this is a familiar scene. You're with a group of friends, maybe a mix of people you know and don't know. The conversation is flowing like wine, and everyone is sharing openly, honestly, and candidly. The topic of faith and belief comes up, and knowing that you are a Christian, someone asks you, why do you believe in God? How do you know he even exists? Now, St. Thomas might not have anticipated modern-day theological parties, but he certainly put in great effort and thought in sketching out what is known as his five ways, five proofs or arguments for the existence of God. And this is perhaps a central question we have asked ourselves at some point in our lives. Who is this God that I profess to believe? If I believe in him, surely he exists. But how do I argue that he exists in a way that satisfies my very human needs with logical, rational explanation for things? Every argument you might have thought of and put forth as a way of explaining your faith and belief in God has probably been argued extensively by St. Thomas. The five ways that he wrote in the Summa Theologica have formed the basis of an unending tide of scholarship on the existence of God, one that continues today. Aquinas does think that the finite human mind cannot fully know the infinity of God. However, the ability to think and reason that God has endowed on us 
allows us to reflect and demonstrate that God exists through the various effects that he has left on the world. Briefly, Aquinas maintains five reasons for God's existence. They are the argument from first mover, the argument from causation, the argument from contingency, the argument from degree, and the argument from final cause or ends, also known as the teleological argument. Now I'll attempt to put my secondary major in philosophy to good use and go through each of them briefly, with the end result hopefully enriching you with some new knowledge or sparking off an interest for you to explore thinking uh, more of Aquinas's writings and thoughts. The argument from first mover is, things change in the world. A thing that is changed is changed by something else, but that other thing can also be changed by yet another thing. And so this chain, this of change goes all the way back to the first unchanging thing, God. The second argument from causation follows a similar flow. An event is caused by some other thing. Something cannot cause itself. Now, if we trace all the causes of all the events in the world, they must have been one original cause, which had no prior cause. And so that is God. The third argument is relatively simple. Aquinas brings up contingent beings, or things in the world that have explanations for their existence. Their existence is explained by other things in the world besides themselves. But other contingent beings alone cannot explain all the contingent beings in the world. What explains this set of contingent beings then? Thus, there must be a necessary being that doesn't require an explanation for its existence. And that is God. The fourth argument is also relatively simple to grasp. The argument from degree stems from how there are various degrees of attributes or qualities in the world. For example, abstract ones like goodness or truth, or physical ones like height and weight. Since we can argue that there are varying degrees of something like goodness in the world, it stands that there must be one most good being in the world, which Aquinas points to as God. Now the last one, the teleological argument is actually one of my favorites. Telos in Greek means purpose, and is understood to mean the full potential of a being or thing. A grain of wheat, for instance, has its telos into growing into wheat that can then be harvested. Human telos, Aquinas thinks, is towards reason and attempting to understand God as best as you can. The theological argument says that our human purpose and full potential can only be guided by an intelligent being, for we as natural beings can only move towards our potential if we have knowledge, if we know what it is. Therefore, Aquinas writes, some intelligent being exists by whom all natural things are directed to their end, and this being we call God. Now, these are quick and simple arguments. They show how persuasive and logical Aquinas was in thinking about and presenting important questions of faith and belief. Why are his philosophical writings so important to us as Catholics to be familiar with? Well, a well-rounded faith formation is not just blind belief, but one that can clearly and reasonably articulate why we make the daily decision to believe in God and to hold firm to our faith. St. Thomas believed that the faculty of reason of being able to continuously seek to understand God through rational thinking is how we reach our full potential as believers and as human beings in the image of God. Faith, for Aquinas, essentially consists in knowledge. 
faith is an intellectual act whose object is truth. It's quite fitting then that the prayer of St. Aquinas has this line near its conclusion. And finally, grant me, O Lord my God, a mind to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you. Now this small section is but a small slice of the writings that Aquinas has. And if that has piqued your attention, I do encourage you to read more of his work for yourself, or at least the summaries online on his other theological arguments as well. Now, Aquinas did not write merely on theological questions on grand metaphysical concepts like the existence of God. He also has very practical philosophical writings on how to live as human followers of Christ in society. St. Thomas was extremely influential in his writings on ethics, on how to lead a good life, which was very rooted in his faith and belief of Christian duty. Aquinas identified that the singular end goal of humans is happiness, a particular type of happiness that is perfected in union and fellowship with God. So he makes the distinction between the imperfect happiness of this life and the perfect happiness of the next life in union with God. So while it is not wrong to do things that make us happy, uh, eating ice cream, listening to good music, enjoying a good TV show, these cannot and should not be the only goals in life because they are not the perfect happiness of eternal union with God. This overarching goal of human life thus supports Aquinas' stance on morality. Here, Aquinas very cleverly integrates the big moral philosophy of his time, virtue ethics, with Christian theology. Virtue ethics is a position that humans should lead a good life by taking up traits that make them a good human being, or taking up virtues that make them a good human being. This was popularized by the philosopher Aristotle, who put forth the claim that humans should strive for a state of a well-lived life, or what is now famously known as eudaimonia, that's Greek for well-being, happiness, blessedness, and human flourishing. Aquinas, if you recall, thought that human flourishing is a purpose we all have that can be found only in union with God. Thus, he adapted Aristotle's virtue ethics within the framework of theology. We can never find perfect happiness in our earthly life, and so we need God to help us attain the virtues we need to achieve happiness in eternal life with him. As humans, we are prone to sin, and so we need God's help and our faith to restore the goodness of our nature in accordance with his will. It is thus the grace that God imbues us that helps us achieve this through his divine virtues and gifts. To know God and to seek to understand him is thus important for figuring out what these virtues are and how we can achieve them. And this is where faith is necessary because, as St. Thomas says, we need to believe that we can obtain from him what we seek. And this is why the prayer of St. Aquinas also carries this beautiful line. Direct my life, O my God, and grant that I might know what you would have me to do and for me to fulfill it as is necessary and profitable to my soul. Lastly, St. Thomas also wrote, Beware of the person of one book. This means to continually seek knowledge to widen our perspectives and understanding, and to expand our thoughts, not to get stuck on one perspective, even we may know a lot about it. And so, I hope this episode has been a fruitful one, and I'd like to beseech St. Thomas to continue praying for us uh, to get to know God 
even more closely to seek to understand him and to strive to lead the good life as Christians, as Catholics, uh, within our faith and in our duty. St. Thomas, pray for us.